Becoming an AMHSW is a podcast sharing the stories and experiences of social workers who have successfully attained their mental health accreditation. I'm Ashton Hayes. I'm an AMHSW in private practice and I specialise in supporting social workers through the process of mental health accreditation. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Becoming an AMHSW, the podcast. This week we're speaking to Anita. Welcome, Anita. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. It's so great to have you here today because you are a fairly newly accredited mental health social worker. So when did that happen? That literally happened uh, at the end of January. So I slipped under that radar um, to the envy of all listening, I'm sure. I got my (laughs) application in. I sat my terrifying three-hour closed book exam on, I think it was the 11th of January, and I heard back fairly quickly. Uh, I think it was by the end of January that I'd um, been approved, whatever the official jargon is. Um, So I got that then. What made you want to become an accredited mental health social worker? Well, I live and work in central Victoria and I um, did some private practice in 2016 while I was studying and I just had constant requests for mental health care plans and I couldn't provide them. And I worked in a a practice that had um, an accredited mental health social worker as well as a clinical psych and they all the time were just badgering, badgering me, you're doing a social work degree, you've got to, you know, go through this process. Mm -hmm. And then I peeked in and just, you know, ran screaming when I saw the the hoops that they wanted us to jump through um and I think it can be a bit mm-hmm. daunting I'm not sure what the new one's like but I think you know because there's so many different components to it you have to be fairly um structured in your approach and I wasn't so I mm-hmm. would have a crack and then I'd get disheartened and then I'd run away and then I'd come back and forget mm-hmm. what I was up to it was just a terribly protracted process to my shame what really helped was getting well I had a session with you Ashton thank you for that Mm -hmm. but I also had a few accredited mental health social workers along the way that were just incredibly encouraging like mentors kind of like you know a bit like what you do with the Facebook group trying to get people to feel connected to others who are struggling because it's it's kind of embarrassing and a bit shame inducing when you keep on trying to do something and consistently get put off by it um I know my family and friends are totally sick of me banging on about it and um you know there there is going to be champagne now that I've finally done it um mm-hmm. but I just want to encourage people to really think about it as um just a process to to get through uh, mm-hmm. and just break it down into steps um and also get some good mentors along the way that'll just be a bit of a cheer squad I had people mm-hmm. who would check in with me uh, just by text, how's it going? You know, don't want to hassle you, but I'm here if you need me. And that was really lovely. As uh, that, that was family and mm-hmm. friends, as, as well as a few people in the trade who would just say, "Come on, you can do it. I'll help you if you need a hand to talk through something." And I'm not sure if they're going to use the practice standards again. My guess is they may. Uh, that to me was quite a. Um, uh, how do I say this without swearing? It was quite a challenge to just break it down. Okay. You really helped me with that. Just, you know, go back to the focus psychological strategies, really get clear on the intervention. And it was when I was doing some practice exams, um, well, not practice exams, but the practice case studies at the end of your booklet, um, that really Mm -hmm. helped 
have a, a structured formula to, to approach it so the background to the client and then, you know, a bit of a, a narrative of the issue and then come in with fo- an assessment. That really helped when I was going back to do the practice standards to kind of see how I would come at a, a sounds awful, but, you know, approach a, a, a client who was uh, in those categories for the practice standards. Right, right. And I guess I just want to clarify for everybody listening, um, there is no actual change to the process at all. I know you're mentioning changes. The process itself is not changing, only the forms are changing. So practice standards will remain the same, case study exercise will remain the same, criteria remains the same. So just want to be really clear around that. Um, and I think it's great that you managed to get it in before the end of January because, of course, there are no uh, submissions in February as we await the changes to the new forms. Right. Yeah, so you actually really got through in such a really um, great time frame. So I guess um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today so that you could share your experience with our listeners is around the length of time the process took you because I'm very open about the fact that it took me a year to write mine. Um, so so what kind of time frame did you have from yours kind of start to finish? Well, I think the time frame is a really good place to get very clear and serious about it because if you set yourself a realistic time frame and chip away at it, my belief is that it would, would be a lot more straightforward because I took two years at least, it's probably more like two and a half years. And the problem with taking such a long time is that you lose track of what you've done. Uh, you know, even just finding a way to store mm. it on your on your computer can be tricky and which draft you're up to and all of those kind of things. So someone, if they can just make sure they've gone through one section completely up to a really solid, good draft um, stage, um, I think that would be a good um, a good way of approaching it. And also because there's no um, deadline, you know, you, you've got to set your own deadline. I learned something about myself that I really need a deadline. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. if you can get a mentor to support you to have a realistic deadline, um, even just for that mm-hmm. first draft and then, you know, rework it, but to have a complete pass at everything and then go back and look at it and see which sections you need to work on. Because there's quite a bit of, um, you know, needing other people to do things like the supervisor's report and your um, job mm-hmm. description and so on if you're working in um, a, some kind of organisation. Um, if you if you get those two soon, like my supervisor had to write a second report because the form changed in that period and I hated having to ask him to do that yeah. again. So it was a hurdle for me. So I'd say the things like the mm-hmm. job description and the supervisor's report complete those closer to um, the time when you're going to submit um, just to make mm-hmm. sure they're current. You don't have to keep on going. The other thing I didn't know is that I needed a stat deck for my uh, hours in private practice and I hadn't done that when I submitted it mm-hmm. so when they checked it they needed me to do that uh, you know things like that that I think mm-hmm. um, would have been helpful to know so yeah it's a very long process but I think you can help yourself by getting a realistic appraisal of what you can commit to doing and try and chip away at it mm-hmm. more regularly set aside maybe just an hour a week just to say where am I up to with this and if you can get a buddy someone mm-hmm. who's also doing it I think that you can really just help yourselves when you're both feeling a bit you know blah about it or just say come on we're nearly there let's just get it let's just do one practice standard 
that's a really you know achievable goal yeah um, and then just approach it a little bit more um, consistently and stepwise than I did <laughs> well and I mean I think you know the beauty of um, having this podcast and sharing people's stories is that people can share about you know I, I would maybe do this differently next time and certainly uh a couple of the products you talked about the roadmaps and you use those uh and we've now developed our intensive program to write get the practice standards written so that's that's essentially a buddy program that i've developed to support people with that um so you know it, i'm also learning from the people that are in the facebook group and people that i talk to about ways that i can tighten up what I offer so that it's more effective. So, yeah, I think it, it, it's really interesting to hear those um, hints and tips that you've got. Do you think um, you kind of mentioned that you may have gotten your referee statements, I guess, closer towards the time that you were actually um, submitting. Is there anything else that you feel like you might have done differently? Look, the, the weird thing with the with the statements from referees is it really heartened me to hear what they said they had to say because what people say in those kind of statements mm -hmm. is a real, you know, they don't say it in facts, you know. And so, um, you know, my my supervisor, whom I've had for a very very long time, he used all the jargon of you know because he's an accredited mental health social worker. So in the his referee report, he mm. used all that jargon. And so it was kind of got my head into the game mm -hmm. a little bit of thinking about myself like that because I think we all suffer from imposter syndrome and, you know, who am I to think this of myself? But to have someone else whom I respected say it was really um, validating. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a kind of a, um, a surprising consequence of getting the accreditation that I kind of felt, hey, you know, I'm kind of someone now. I've got an official stamp that I could, because they send you the seal that you can put at the bottom of your, you know, on your foot or on your thing. And it's kind of like, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much insecurity around, you know, there's such a hierarchy. We've got psychiatrists and then psychologists and then, you know, um, you know, all those people that get the um, Medicare provider status. And then there's us, there's, you know, councils or social workers, whoever we are down here in that weird hierarchy. Um, and so to become accredited, I do mm. feel as if I've got some kind of um, standing now, at least in the medical world, or, it, or and I'm sure I'm at the bottom of the rung, but I think to have that kind of acknowledgement um, granted is, is a validation for me and my hard work. I've worked for years in the field, I'm sure everyone has, but to get this, it just acknowledges mm -hmm. that for us. Um, and I think it's really important mm -hmm. that in the, the, the world uh, of mental health that we're seen as um, people that provide a valuable service and and this is one way that it's delivered especially because I'm in the I'm in central Victoria there's such a need for these services we all know that they've cut back on the mm -hmm. number of um, sessions people can have under a mental health care plan uh, and but people can't get into mm -hmm. the mental health care providers so I think we provide a really crucial service that's the beauty I think of having conversations with social workers is that you know we're able to kind of talk about our own experiences and um, you're just talking about how critical it is in particularly in regional areas to be able to offer that mental health service. I'm in a regional area myself as well and I think that um, even you know a lot of the time in the media we see discussions about the lack of psychologists 
and not to say anything about our psychologist colleagues who, of course, provide a great service as well. But if people knew more about the fact that an accredited mental health social worker is a specialist mental health clinician who can give you a Medicare rebate, then it gives people more options, doesn't it, to exactly. be able to access mental health services? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it also elevates the standing in the community of the um, crucial mm -hmm. role that social workers play and counsellors play in supporting people to, you know, in the in this post COVID world, you know, that we're all still um, reeling mm -hmm. from, to acknowledge that it's been a tough time and that there's a lot of different services that can give support, but they're all stretched and and um, yeah. under start you know the usual stuff we all know this, but um, I think yeah it, it gives another line of support. Mm -hmm. Um, in a scarce industry of, of support. Mm. So then what what's something that's changed, if anything? I know your accreditation is all fresh and brand new, but what's changed, if anything, since you became accredited around your career or your career aspirations? Well, I think um, because at the moment I'm employed by Grief Australia as a bereavement counsellor, that has been a, a, and I also do supervision, so I've got a very clear role with regard to grief. So my specialisation is in prolonged mm -hmm. grief and you know all of that that's how that's how I work in my day job but what I'm now wanting to lead mm -hmm. it's kind of like an entree into that is to providing um more general support because you know it's tough working in that grief field um and having a lot of clients just you know presenting similar issues around loss and grief uh and and supporting them to kind mm -hmm. of get their grief back on track whatever you know has got them off track I'm looking forward to, you know, your stock mm -hmm. standard anxiety and depression kind of stuff and, and, and just having a, a variety of clients, a variety of presentations. Um, that's not to diminish what they're mm. suffering from, but just to be able to have a bit of variety in, in what I'm doing. But also to provide a good service because, um, as, you know, my colleagues have been telling me in the practice I work in, uh, privately, um, there's such a need and people, there's no one to refer to. The waiting lists are all people closing their books and not even taking people on their wait list. So yeah. hoping that I can find a balance between providing that surface and also, you know, my own life and, and kind of getting back to some kind of um, balance in there um, because I don't want to say work-life balance mm. because it's part of life. I think it's just life balance, really. We just need to be looking at ways to make sustainable issues. But also, I mean, I think it's that giving back. I see, you know, the rebate's not huge if yeah. I don't charge a gap and I'm still investigating all the, the, the permutations of that. But how do I go about um, structuring mm -hmm. my private practice so that I've got a balance of supervision but a balance of um, uh, Medicare provider kind of clients and, and supporting that as well. Mm. So that's how I kind of mm. Mm. open a few doors in my community because I'm doing all my work online for the organisation. Mm -hmm. I'll get back to face-to-face -to -face, even though it terrifies me to think I'll be in the same room as a living, breathing um, mm -hmm. person. But also seeing that maybe now mm. we are there with a, a post-COVID approach and uh, what might that look like to be um, mm. services in, in a practice and yeah, I'm quite excited about that. That is exciting and, and certainly um, we also have within the Ashton Hayes Consulting Group, we also have, you know, beginner practice um, training and resources available for new accredited mental health social workers um, and that's, again, about just being able to support 
people moving into that private practice space and understanding how to do Medicare and all of the other things that come along with it. And it is an exciting time. You know, it's a fresh new part of your career and and you have, I guess, a lot more control when it's private. So yeah, that's that's fantastic. I'm excited for you. So I guess then if you could give one piece of advice to our aspiring AMHSWs, what do you think that might be? I would say get a buddy. I would really get a buddy and just mm-hmm. get a clear kind of idea of your supportive roles for each other as cheer squad, men, you know, whatever it might be, because you'll need different things at different times. But get it, you know, I think it takes a, a village to raise anyone, whether it be at an AMHSU mm-hmm. or a child. And I think if we can see that it's a process and that um, I know some people that did you know, smash it out. Uh, I'm not that kind of person. It takes me a while. Mm -hmm. But also to see that it is actually a way of reflecting on your practice because we, you know, you can can see the practice standards as annoying or you can see them as something that really does inform how you think about your work. And that was how after I, you know, struggled for a while I actually saw oh I actually do this but we don't kind of Mm. uh, often relate our practice to something as solid and as grounding as a practice standard so in some ways you can almost see it as a way of um, kind of taking a a fresh lens at your um, your profession and and you know take pride in the fact that these standards are there for a reason and that you probably and if if you found a gap then you know you need to fill it with some professional development or some uh, mentorship Uh, but I think you know you can see it as a Mm -hmm. chore or you can actually see it as a really great reflective practice tool and once I got over the kicking and screaming I could see that I did actually get a lot out of it so I suppose maybe (laughs) mindset is seeing it as a ridiculously high hurdle but see it as oh actually this is a good lens through which to look at my Mm. practice and um, take a bit of pride in uh, our profession as social workers and that we actually do a great job and this validates that you know and, and gives us accreditation because we deserve it. Oh, look, absolutely. I I love that you said about the community and that's, you know, what we're doing in the Facebook group and, and, you know, having everybody understanding, oh, you know, this is, I'm I'm going really badly with this. Can somebody help? But then we also do these big celebrations and I was so excited to celebrate you. And, and of course, you will have seen so many people were there to congratulate you and, and, um, that kind of idea of community is is just so important. And I also love that idea of using it as a reflection on your practice because I think most people who are ready to apply do all of the things that are listed in the practice standard. It's just that it's part of their daily job. They don't write it down. You know, it's not, mm. you know, today I'm doing this practice standard or today I'm doing that one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think... Um, I think those are, that's great advice and really wonderful and valid points. And I just want to thank you so much for taking time to speak to us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I think what you do, Ashton, is fantastic. You're kind of like a little lighthouse for all us little tugboats out there flailing <laughs> in the waves. So thank you for what you do. And I just want to encourage people to keep going and, you know, just just be kind to yourselves in the process and see that it might take a bit longer, like a good renovation does. Uh, cost a bit more, take a bit longer, but it's worth it in the end. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Anita. I respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which myself and my guests meet and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. 
I recognise their connection to country and role in caring for and maintaining country over thousands of years. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Becoming an AMHSW. If you'd like more information about mental health accreditation, please email info at ashtonhayesconsulting.com.au and please see the show notes for links to resources discussed in today's episode.